You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. We are excited today for this very special Sunday welcoming all of our younger generation of our multi-generational church that's in here this morning. Uh, And that's why it's going to be special. It's also only one service today. Uh, For many of you, you came in uh, in a deluge and uh, we're glad that you're here. Others decided that they would watch us online. So glad you're hopefully doing that as well and staying dry. Uh, But my staff encouraged me when we were talking about doing this combined service and doing a combined service with all of our kids that would be in here as well to make sure that I preached much shorter than normal. They beseeched me in staff meeting, Pastor Brent, you're going to have to preach shorter than you normally do. And I said, okay, well, what do I normally preach? They're like, well, 45 minutes. I said, okay, I'll do 40. So... That's what we'll try to get done today, but not to worry, parents. Uh, I know that maybe some of you are excited, some of you are anxious or nervous, but I appreciate what Caleb said. This is an incredible time for us to be able to do this. I'm so excited. Maybe we'll make this an annual thing that we start off our new year doing this together. But back to the specialness of this first Sunday of the new year. Today we begin a new sermon series that joins us with our Every Nation churches, our spiritual family all over the world. If you didn't know that, we're a part of a family of churches worldwide called called Every Nation. And I want you to think about this for just a minute because this is exciting. I have friends that I actually were reaching out to this week and asking what they were doing and, and how they were preparing for today. You have, because they are our spiritual family, you have spiritual family in South Africa, Namibia, Peru, Iran, Malaysia, Indonesia, Germany, Turkey, and the Philippines. And that's just to name a few that are doing this same biblical text we're looking at today, doing the same series we're doing doing all month and we're joining together in a few weeks on the 10th of January for a corporate time of prayer, fasting and consecration with brothers and sisters all over the world. That should excite you like it does me. Like I I was and literally those nations that I just mentioned were people that I reached out to personally this week and talking to them and are y'all doing this this week? Are y'all doing this message? And yes, we're coming back today or we're not starting back church till the 10th or whatever the case may be. But I, I was so excited about all of us doing this together because why? Because it encourages me to the fact that God is accomplishing his goal that he planned all along to reach every tribe tongue and nation throughout the world with the gospel the gospel is accomplishing the goal for which Christ sent him came himself that God sent his son into the earth that's why it excites me that all over the world we're doing this together it's not just here it's not just in the states it's not just in a region it is all over the world people are glorifying the name of Jesus together And many of them are your actual brothers and sisters that we have a relationship with. 
And this is really the goal of all of our lives individually as well as a church, that through us, the light of the gospel would shine into the darkness of the world around us so that others can give praise to the one true God. That's been the plan from Genesis 1 all the way to the culmination that we read about in Revelation, that all of us would worship God together. So the question I have today is that through us, the light of the gospel would shine into the darkness of the world around us so that others could give praise to the one true God. Is that the goal of your life? Is that the goal of our lives? Because the primary goal for you and I, if it's never been before, and maybe it's something that you're learning about, or if you've known this for a long time and been serving God, that the purpose of our life, moving into 2022, that we will be recommitted to this, is to know Jesus and to make him known. That is the goal of every Christian's life. So two questions I hope you can answer this morning as we dig deeper into God's word. First and foremost, do you know Jesus. If you're a volunteer this morning and you were at our rally that Miss Sonia Bailey did, she actually used my text, used my question. It's like uh, we did not collaborate on this message, but it was like, okay, I'll just go home. We've already done it, except some of you weren't here for that. Obviously, you're here now, so I'm going to go ahead and preach this again. Who is Jesus? The two questions I hope you can answer today. Do you know Jesus? And if so, how deeply? Maybe that's two questions right there. But then here's the second question. How are you making him known? Maybe better put, what do people know about Jesus as a result of knowing you? So we say that, right? Our goal in life is to know Jesus and to make him known. But the better question is, is what do people know about Jesus as a result of knowing you? Think about it. What have people learned about my Savior by watching my life? So here's my prayer for us in 2022 in Focus Church. I pray that we would know Jesus more intimately and we would make him known more broadly. Not just to know him and to make him known, but we would know him more intimately, more deeply, and we would make him known more broadly and more consistently through the testimony of our lives. And one of the ways that we know God more intimately and deeply is through his word. God still speaks through his word today. Can I get an amen? God still speaks through his word today. Right now, he speaks through his word. And listen, there are times when God speaks a word to people individually, and I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit doing that. There are times when God speaks something collectively to a a local church. There are times when he speaks something to a, a nation or to a region or to the global church at large. And with that in mind, we continue to seek after him in his word. Along with that, every year at this time, We collectively seek God's direction as a global family of churches. That's what we're doing with this Abide series in our Every Nation family. And this year's theme for our collective series over this month is Abide. I love that word. I can't tell you as I was thinking about this message over the last, uh, well, for quite a while actually because we've known about this series, but then over the last seven days, that word abide just brought so much comfort to me in the middle of difficulty that it brings comfort to my soul that I could abide in Christ, that I could abide in his word. What does that word abide mean? What does it mean to abide? 
It means to remain. It means to stay. Jesus' ministry, listen, Jesus' ministry was marked by those who remain and those who left. That's how we think about Christ, who stayed with him and who left him. And it's still the same today as it relates to the church and the gospel. Sometimes the most courageous thing we can do as God's people is to remain and stay. Jesus' ministry was marked this way. The church is marked this way. The gospel is marked by this. And what are we staying? What are we remaining in? First and foremost, to remain stable or fixed in the love of God. To continually receive, believe, and trust that Jesus is more than enough and all that we need for salvation, for holiness, and righteousness. But abide also carries this implication to remain and to stay in his word, to stay in his ways, and to stay with his church. As a side note, I have found that we prefer to abound than we do abide. Just read that passage of scripture in the little pre-show from Corinthians where and you will abound in every good work, having all that you need. We like that, right? I mean, I like that. Abound means there's abundance. Abound means I've got extra, and I'm going to abound in everything that I do. But another passage in John chapter 15 tells us this. I am the vine, you are the branches. We just sang this, didn't we? Whoever abides in me and I in him He is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do a little bit, a marginal amount, nothing, nothing. So what we learn from this is that there is no abounding without abiding in the word first. I'm not going to abound until I abide. So let's talk about why we can abide in the word today. The reason we can abide in the word is that the word first came to abide with us. We just came out of the Christmas season where we celebrate this fact that Jesus Christ came to earth to abide with us. But before we talk about our primary text today, let me just ask you a few more questions about God's word, his written word, as we become more like the living word. And make no mistake about it, the written word, the scripture says about itself, is living and active and breathing. So it's not that we just have a stale, dead, written word. The written word is living and active as it tells us about the living word who came to be with us. But my question about the word is, what if we committed this year to the word of God? What if we were committed to the word of God as we are to our favorite things on the earth? Whatever those things are, and I'm not saying they're wrong. A lot of your favorite things are good. Your favorite, you know, show, your favorite food, your favorite location, your favorite, you know, special thing that you support, whatever it is. It's fine, but what if I went after God's word the same way I went after my favorite things on earth? What if I went after God's word with the same passion that I cheer for my favorite football or basketball or sports team? What if I read the word of God like I constantly and continually read my favorite news feed? 
What if I meditated on the word of God as much as I do on the stories, pictures, and memes on my Instagram and TikTok accounts? What if God's word was our favorite thing? What if it was my favorite thing? Then it might make it into the song on the sound of music. Never mind. As a church and a worldwide family of churches, we've always placed a high value on the power, the truthfulness, and the benefit of Scripture. We're committed to promoting spiritual necessity of reading your Bible. Why? Because God's primary way to reveal himself to us is through his written word by which he transforms and empowers us to be who he made us to be. Therefore, today, we're starting off this new year, 2022, and then starting on January 10th in prayer and fasting and reading his word and meditating on his word. But this is my prayer. I am calling all of us to a renewed commitment to read, to understand, to believe, and to obey God's word, the Bible. If we would read, understand, believe, and obey God's word, then so many things would be different in our churches and in our lives and in our relationships. It's not just one or the other. Like, well, I read the Bible today. There's a little bit more. It's all of the above that I just mentioned. See, we can't just read the word, do a daily Bible plan, and like somebody else's Bible scripture that they posted that we don't like personally in the flesh. See, God said love people, not just love posts. Love people. Don't love my posts if you don't love me. I don't care. So we read God's word, we read it, and then not only do we read it, but we need the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Spirit so that the Scripture can be illuminated so that we can better understand and comprehend it. Because you know as well as I do, and I've done it plenty of times, I read something that I do not understand, not just the Bible, plenty of things. Like, I read it, I just don't understand it. I need the Holy Spirit to help me as I'm reading the word to understand and comprehend the word. And on top of that, then I need to believe what I'm understanding. And if I truly believe it, then I will obey it. So this year, may we be committed to show what we believe, not just say or post what we believe. To show through our obedience to God's word. We're going to read, we're going to understand, we're going to believe, and we're going to obey. So the title of this first message in the Abide series is The Word Become Flesh because our obedience to God's Word is not just checking off a list of rules or regulations, therefore living a life of morality legalistically. No, instead our obedience to God's Word flows out of a loving relationship with Jesus, the Word made flesh. So our primary text today, if you have your Bible with you or use a mobile device, is John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, and then 9 through 18, but primarily John 1, 1 through 5. So what do we believe about Jesus? As elementary as that sounds, the answers to that question can be shockingly frightening, even in the church, of what we believe about Jesus. 
It's not only important that we believe in Jesus, but we must understand what we believe about him. Because the reason this is important is we will respond to Jesus based on who we perceive him to be. I'm going to respond to Jesus on how I perceive him to be. This is how we treat normal people in life, right? We, per, we respond to them based on who we perceive them to be. Are they important people? Then I'm going to respond to them as an important person. Do they not matter to me? Well, then I'm going to respond to them like they don't matter to me. So how do we respond to Jesus? If Jesus is just a good teacher, then some of you are going to respond the same way you did to all your good teachers in your high school. Ignore them and barely pass your class. If he was just a good man who did good things, then we're going to practice a life of morality and hope that our good outweighs the bad when we get to the end of our life. But if he is Savior of the world, if he is the Lord over all creation, the perfect lamb slain before the foundation of the world, the word became flesh, then that changes everything. Consequently, we need to know who Jesus is and what we believe about him. And here's the whole purpose of the book of John. The gospel of John is there to help us see Jesus for who he really is. And it's clearly stated in a verse you don't have to turn to, John chapter 20, verse 31. And it says, but these scriptures, this passage in John, have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. My faith for us today and throughout this series that we do with our family all over the world is that we would not only learn more about Jesus, but that we would experience Jesus. Jesus through the living word. That's what I want us to experience. I don't just want you to hear something that I have to say or learn something new about Jesus as I teach. No, I want you to experience Jesus. The greatest things in this life are not just supposed to be talked about supposed to be experienced what if I just told you how amazing this cookie that I like every time I say talk to you I was like man this cookie is so good this cookie well why don't you give me this cookie so I could taste it man this cake is so amazing but I never give you a piece man the Grand Canyon let me just describe it to you and I could tell you all about it, and I could do as much little flowery imagery that I can, and yet the only way that you could truly grasp the grandeur of it is to experience it. And Jesus is the same way. I want you to experience the amazing grace of Jesus, not just sing about it or hear about it. I want you to experience his immeasurable power, his gentle touch, his loving kindness, his enduring hope, his endless mercy, his life-changing forgiveness, and his unconditional love. And the, again, the reason we can experience Jesus this way is because the one that we are to abide in came to abide with us first as the living word of God. So let's read John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. Lord, we pray that you would bless the reading and the teaching of your Word, change us from the inside out. You see, in this passage, we see word referenced several times. The Greek word is logos, and it means word, that's 
pretty ironic. But it also means speech. It means a divine utterance, a word being the expression of a thought, reasoning expressed by words. And this shows up over 300 times in the New Testament. But there's something unique about that passage of Scripture where we see this word, word, the word made flesh, in that it's the only place that it's capitalized. And what it's indicating, which is amazing, is that Jesus, the Word, is God himself. John goes on to say that the Logos was with God and indeed was God. Introducing to us in this passage of John 1, the Trinitarian nature of God as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not only was Jesus with God, but he was God. In the beginning, he was with God and he was God. The Word, or the Logos, was in the beginning and created all things, it goes on to say. This points us back to what? Creation in Genesis 1. It's the same phrase that you read in Genesis 1. Notice the similarities in the beginnings of Genesis and in the beginning of John. Genesis shows how God created through what? Through his word, his spoken word. Over and over again, Genesis 1, 3. Then God said, let there be light. He spoke and there was light. It was so. Genesis 1 6 then God said and it was so Genesis 1 9 then God said and it was so and on down the line verse 11 14 20 24 26 in Genesis then God said spoke out of his mouth and it was made so did you ever consider the very first thing that God said that he spoke into existence through the spoken word out of his mouth was light God spoke and his light broke through the nothingness and the darkness. Just as God's word brought light into the darkness of creation, God's word, John 1, 1, is saying that he would bring light into the darkness of this world through Jesus Christ. Jesus now was, think about this word, logos, he's the word. Jesus was the divine utterance of God, the speech of God incarnate. Let's go on with the text, John 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. What is it saying? It's saying the light is none other than Jesus himself. Jesus is the light of the world, and he plainly says so as he continues to reveal himself as light throughout the gospel of John. That God spoke light in Genesis, and Jesus is that light in the New Testament. John 8, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember, I made a statement earlier that we will respond to Jesus based on who we perceive him to be. Not everybody responded properly to this light when he showed up. Because not everybody perceived who Jesus was. And still today it's the same. Not everybody responds to the light when he shines into the darkness because we do not perceive who the light is. Verse 5 of John 1 says this, because we can see this starting with verse 5, that not everybody understood or perceived. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The implication being here that it really wasn't a lack of understanding like I don't understand. No, they did. But more so, people really didn't want to see it. 
That's what's going on right here. I see it, but I don't want to believe it because then I'll have to respond to the light. And this still happens today. People know about Jesus. They've seen Jesus. They've heard about Jesus. And maybe you're one of those people and we choose to not respond to him. But let's remember that our lack of recognition of Jesus never thwarts his kingdom from advancing. That's why I just want to be a part of it. Just because I don't accept what Jesus is doing in the earth through his church doesn't mean that he's going to stop or fail to accomplish his purposes in the earth through his church. That's why I have such hope for this church and any church that loves Jesus and submits to the Holy Spirit to glorify him above all things. My lack of understanding, belief, and obedience really is all about me and has nothing to do with Jesus. Then in verse 10, people still didn't understand. Verse 10, it says, he was in the world and the world came into being through him and yet the world did not know him. It's like he created them and yet they don't know him. It's like somebody, your mother saying, I birthed you. It's like, I don't know you. No, God saying right here, he was in the world. The world came into being through him, the word, Jesus, and the world did not know him. Jesus was treated like an outcast and a stranger in the world that he created from day one of his birth. The verse tells us that we are all morally responsible to either reject or reflect Jesus. Why? Because he made us. So now we're all morally responsible because he made us to either accept him or to reject him. Now in verse 11, we see that he was rejected again. He came to his own and his own people did not accept him. In a general sense, most of mankind did not receive him. And in a special sense, the Jews, his people, did not accept him as Messiah. Again, we have two choices in this life with the light of Christ, with the word made flesh. Reject it or receive him. Let it expose the darkness in our hearts and lives and receive him as the light of our own life. Or we can reject and deflect or receive and reflect that's what's happened, right? We, 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 we reject him by deflecting off of ourselves to other people and other issues and other things. Or we receive his light into our life so that he can change the darkness in us. And then we begin to reflect him to the world around us. If we read the rest of the gospel, what you're going to see about Jesus' public ministry is it is one that is marked by consistent rejection. That's why you shouldn't be astounded in this life when you might encounter consistent rejection because of Jesus and the gospel. The fact that there were those who rejected Jesus shows us a lot about the condition of the world, but even more so the condition of our own hearts. Maybe you, like me, have looked at those in the Bible and wondered, how could they walk with Jesus? How could they hear his teaching? How could they see his miracles? How could they see all of these things and still not recognize him for who he was, God in the flesh? How could they reject him? And actually, it honestly should cause us to tremble that we would somehow could be like the men on the road to Emmaus, walk alongside the resurrected Lord, talk with Jesus, and still not recognize him for who he is. And yet we still do. It is possible to be around the word and totally miss who he is. I think we'd be surprised at who would miss Jesus today. 
if he walked the earth in the flesh. That's why I'm saying I can look back on those scriptures, God, I'll just see, how did you miss that? And yet I think, what if I missed it? What if he was here today and I'm one of those? For example, like all those secret identities on these little superhero television shows, right? Like right now, I'm Superman. Now I'm Brent. You don't recognize me, do you? Can't tell it's me. I'm watching these shows like, are you kidding me right now? The girl put on glasses. And you don't know who she is. The man wears a mask that's about this thin. And you don't know who he is. And yet, when we look at Scripture, it's like, are you kidding me right now? This is God in the flesh. And you don't see who he is? He has has little glasses on. And you still don't see who he is? Matthew 24. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters who were just wearing glasses you were refusing to help me back to our passage in John which reveals the nature of the human heart and reveals even more the nature of the heart of God the word that created heaven and earth became like us so that we could see him and recognize him as God in the flesh. Part of defining the gospel should express this divine yet baffling truth. The gospel is the good news that God became flesh in Jesus The idea of God becoming man is so mind-boggling. It's difficult to believe. It's scandalous for many people, and yet it's true. How could God lower himself to be a human, specifically an infant and a baby and a toddler, and go through adolescence and all of that? And yet the incarnation is referred to as the great condescension. And there's something beautiful and amazing about it anyway, that the fact that the word became flesh so let's just briefly land this plane and say why would God become flesh why would Jesus be the living word and why does it matter so much if we need to know God more what does this the word becoming flesh reveal about God this God that we need to know more intimately and make known more broadly number one he's the creator of all things the creator of all things desires to be near See, oftentimes I think we get an erroneous picture of God by misinterpreting his actions or mischaracterizing his motives. Even as Christ came to earth, that we can get so theologically wrapped up in our theological camps that we forget that God so loved the world that he came. Not just because he's sovereign, he is, but because he loved us. The creator did not come near because he ran out of options. He did not come near because he was fed up with you and I and and couldn't think of what else and just threw his hands up in exasperation. 
that he reluctantly came to earth as a baby? No, the creator desires to be near to his creation. He longs to be with those that he breathed life into. And the word became flesh, John 1:14, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. The word became flesh. The eternal word became the living word, and this is a reality, and it's so profound because it indicates that the infinite became finite. That the eternal was conformed into time. That the invisible now became visible. The supernatural one was now reduced to natural. And in the incarnation, the word did not cease to be God, but became God in human flesh. Meaning what? Undiminished deity in human form as a man. He came close enough that we were able to not just see the backside of him hidden in the cleft of a rock, but to see his glory. Face to face. Athanasius on the incarnation of the word said this, even so, it, even so was it with all holy son of God. He, the image of the father, came and dwelt in our midst in order that he might renew mankind made after himself and seek out his lost sheep. Even as he says in the gospel, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. The phrase dwelt among us in this passage of scripture translates into the Greek word eskenosin, meaning he pitched a tent or encamped with us. That when he came, as John 1 says, that he, he put a tent up and he, and he dwelt with us that way. And it's really indicating that it was temporary. He wasn't going to be in a tent. You don't live in a tent forever. At least I hope not, right? One day, right, we're going to be in heaven forever, even if we lived in a tent here. So Christ pitched that tent right there, and it was temporary. It was also hearkening back to Exodus and the tent and the tabernacle where God would dwell with his people. And it was also pursuing and pushing us toward Revelation 21 that says what? Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. That's what I'm saying from Genesis all the way to the end is what God was propelling us towards, that he could be with us and that we could be with him. Now he has, what? Made our hearts his home, his dwelling place. He is at home in our hearts and one day we will be at home with him forever. Perfect fellowship anticipated by the tabernacle, prophesied by the prophets, and was made possible through Jesus' incarnation, the word made flesh. And in that, he fully manifests the gracious, gracious covenant-making, covenant-keeping character of God as Jesus restores our covenant relationship with him and one another. Number two, the creator of all things desires to be known. He desires to be near and he desires to be known. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him, John 1.18. See, the reality is, is that we don't know God as we should. We don't know all that we can know about him or all that we should know about him. And we never could have apart from Christ. Therefore, God was willing to humble himself, to make himself known to us. And as we go through the book of John, we see God revealed through the life of Jesus. Towards the end of his life on earth, he is saying, listen, this is who God is. If you see me, you see the Father. As a matter of fact, he has a conversation with Philip and he says, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? 
Jesus, Hebrews says, is the exact representation of God's nature because he is God himself. Whatever Jesus does, he does with grace. Whatever he says, he says in truth. If you want to understand what God is like, look to Jesus. He lived the life that we were supposed to live, a life that reflected God's glory in a powerful way. That's why John 1.18 that I just read a moment ago says that we saw his glory. And John 1.18 says, no one has seen God at any time. God, the only son who in the arms of the father, he has explained him. Remember what the word means, logos? It's that spoken word. He's speaking, he's explaining divinely explaining who he is through the life of Jesus. God has been speaking to his people for hundreds of years and Jesus came, God in the flesh and the word made flesh to speak more clearly and to better explain who God is and who we are apart from abiding in the vine. If we want to know God more intimately and clearly, then our best view is through the life of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, the creator of all things desires to be received. The creator of all things desires to be near, he desires to be known, and he desires to be received. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. See, God reveals himself through Jesus. Not so that we could simply have more knowledge about him, but that we could receive him as Savior and Lord. That's why it's important how we perceive him. Is he Savior and Lord or not? Is he God in the flesh or not? So can we? this is why we can become children of God. So how will we respond? Because there's only two choices in this life. We can reject Jesus like so many others did, did in his day, or we can receive him by striving to be near him and knowing him more intimately and deeply and making him known more broadly. Reading, learning, believing, and obeying his word. That's the method of our abiding church. We build a life centered on a relationship with Jesus Christ. We make time for him each and every day. First thing, last thing. We meet with him in his word. We meditate on his word day and night. Jesus speaks to us the truth our souls need to hear through his word. We drink him in like water for our thirsty souls. And while the word world seeks to conform us to its pattern, Jesus seeks to transform us by the renewal of our minds and the washing of the water of his word. Jesus speaks to us in his word. And then he invites us to speak back to him through prayer. Abiding not only renews our minds, it transforms our desires. That's why I love starting off this year with this idea of abiding in Christ, abiding in his word. We begin to seek more out of life, not less when we abide. We want his name to be glorified. We want God's will to be done. We want Jesus' kingdom to come. We hope to bear much fruit out of our lives, not for our own glory, but to glorify God in all that we do. Abiding in Jesus also connects us, and this is important. I want you to think about this. First Sunday of January 2022, abiding in Jesus through his word also connects us to every other branch. We're not meant to live apart from others any more than we're meant to live apart from Jesus. 
You can't be close to the Father and not be close to his family. And you can't be close to his family without experiencing nearness to the Father. We need one another. We consider the word together. We celebrate communion and baptisms and all kinds of things as a church together. We meet together regularly, encouraging one another through the word. We love one another. To abide in Christ is to participate in the life of his body, the church. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the word made flesh, the eternal word who became the living word and now daily, consistently reveals himself through the written word. That means that we can see him, relate to him through his word, and also through our interaction with people made in his image called the body of Christ. I just hope that maybe what you'll remember a little bit as it relates to Jesus, the word made flesh, is are you seeing Jesus wherever he is? Or does he come and, and enter into your life and just simply look like this? And all of a sudden we're dumbfounded and act like it's a completely different person. My prayer for us is that as we read God's word, we'll comprehend and understand God's word. And then we'll not only comprehend and understand it, but we'll believe it and we'll obey it. And if we do that in focus, then 2022 will be our greatest year ever as we spread the light of the world through our own lives to the world around us. Amen. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.